Devotion to the Word of God is paramount for every Christian. But how does one rightly interpret Scripture? This holy book is sacred. This holy book must be read and understood correctly. You're listening to the Book of Jude. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Book of Jude. Hey, we are here. Man, I'm so excited. We're going to get into it. We're going to get into Revelations chapter 1. And we don't have to travel very far to find the first time that John uses, alludes to the Old Testament. Specifically, we're looking at verses 4 and 8 in this episode. Uh, There is plenty more uh, to come. But man, this, I'm telling you, I do not know how long this series is going to be. I'm actually frightened to wonder how long this series is going to be. But first off, let me just say that uh, thank you for the support of you listening. Uh, you, you, you're you on um, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Just want to remind you, if you're only on one of these sites, social media sites, uh, make sure you're on all of them. Specifically, if you're only on Instagram, you're missing a lot from Facebook. Facebook, I'm able to provide more links, more um, resources for you to further your study. I hope you all are well. Uh, 2022 is flying by. Let's see. My daughter had a choir concert. Man, they sang all the good stuff. All these, uh, what are they? Not millennials. They're 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 wise generation Y or so. I don't know. I can't keep up with these things. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They were singing all the good stuff. They were singing. Um, Prince, uh, what's it called? Uh, Purple Rain. Uh, you should have heard all the parents. They were singing all the all the songs that the parents knew. They also sang some uh, Encanto. Um, they sang uh, oh, they sang uh, Under Pressure, Queen David Bowie. But then they flipped a script and they they started rapping um, Vanilla Ice because it has the same beat. Vanilla Ice doesn't believe so, but yeah, anyway, has the same beat. Uh, that was incredible. They have they have an amazing uh, they have amazing choir directors, and uh, it, it was it was fantastic. So that was that was fun. My daughter loves choir. Also, what else happened? Oh, we went to Brick Fest. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Brick Fest is, it's Legos. <laughs> it's Legos. And um, I guess they just can't say the word Lego or they can't advertise Lego. So they said, because one of our stores here uh, where we live is called Bricks and Minifigs, Minifigures. And it's all Lego, uh, again, with licensing, I guess. But uh, so it's called BrickFest. And we were able to uh, go there, just the boys. And we had a fantastic time. They had life-sized Lego sculptures, statues, whatever you want to call them. Just, man. So much talent that we saw on display there, but you know they had the um, they had the as they always do. They have the uh, what are they called? Uh, uh, like like cell phone companies, in- insurance companies. State Farm was there and has some representatives and just just there trying to sign some people up. And and my wife always is embarrassed when we see people trying to talk to you and salesmen because I was a salesman for a long time and. 
I, I just have fun. I actually loved it when telemarketers, when they call me and stuff, I have fun with them. But uh, I felt kind of bad after this, this one guy, he, uh, <laughs> he, we were just walking by, we were walking to the next thing. And he said, um, do you have state farm for insurance? And I said, I said, no, what do you, do you have state farm? He said, yeah, of course I got state farm insurance. And whether he's lying or not, I'll never know. I said, well, you know, if you give me 15 minutes, I could probably save you 15% of your car insurance and maybe trade you. And he had nothing to say after that. He stopped in his tracks. He looked at me as if, are you serious, dude? And we just kept on walking. So I really don't know what happened after that, but <laughs> I guarantee I was the only person that said something like that. But one of the most amazing things happened. This is why I bring this up. They had a bunch of Legos laid out to for children to walk on as if you were, you know, the coal walking on fire, walking on coal or something. And uh, so one of my sons did it. And um, he, anyway, the important thing was this gentleman, and I'm about to give you all the information because this is so, so great. This gentleman was there who was running it. He holds some of the Guinness Book of World Records and walking on Legos the farthest or something. I don't know if he's still the champ, but he he had about two or three uh, certificates there. And he um, walks on Legos to raise money. And that's exactly what he was doing there. He was there to raise money. Now, what was it for? Uh, he's raising money for children who are in the hospital. And basically, he is able to deliver Lego sets to them so that they can spend some time putting Lego sets together. Now, oh, that's that doesn't seem like a big deal. No, let me tell you something. I work in a hospital. There's a lot of hours. There's a lot of hours in the day. You know, we're all busy. We're doing things. But if you are, and if you've ever been hospitalized, you know, you get, you're put in a hospital bed and you're not going anywhere. And there's no, there's only so much TV you can watch. There's only so much, you know, games you can play. But for a child to have a Lego, even an adult really, but for a child to have a Lego set and more than one and to be able to spend the time putting those things together, that's a pretty cool thing. And it is meaningful. And so, yeah, we're not, it's not, raising money for a cure. It's not, it's not one of those. And, and those are great as well. And please, by all means, but this is, I wanted to talk about this because I thought this was pretty cool. He's getting Lego sets in the hands of these kids that, um, are basically in the hospital bed and they can't really do anything or go anywhere. Uh, and, and time is slow when you're put in a room and not being able to just looking at the same four walls all day long. I mean, it, it gets to you. It really does. Um, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, it, it'll, it'll, it'll get to you. So, um, let me share his information. And if you just feel that you can help, uh, I think, I believe he said every $20 is a one Lego set for one kid. And I've seen some of his videos and you can check it out too. He, he gives them more than one, but, uh, just to give you, an idea, uh, $20 will get one Lego set to one kid. And, uh, so I, I think that's pretty cool. So let me, let me share his information with you. All right. So it's little bricks charity. So little and bricks charity, or you can look up little bricks charity guy 
he's all over social media and he you can look up on YouTube and find him but Little Bricks Charity again dude's legit give him 20 bucks you're guaranteeing some kid getting uh uh a Lego set and I I just think that was the coolest thing out of everything and, and for my sons to see that uh as a father I want, I always try to remind them that you know no matter how bad we may have it you know, there are so many people suffering in this world. There are so many people in need. And, yeah, we can't we can't save everybody. We can't cure everybody. You know, there's diseases and all these things. But we can do something. And this is just one of those opportunities where you can just do something, you know. So uh, check it out. All right, let's, let's get started. First of all, the background... Uh, Revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Apostle John was the writer of the book. Uh, the Apostle John is the is the author of the Gospel of John, uh, the author of one, two, three, John, and also this book, Revelation. The Apostle John is not John the Baptist. For those of you who do not know. The date of Revelation, well, there's two views on that. It's it's pretty uh, d debated. Um, the one view is Revelation being written during the time of persecution near the end of the reign of the Roman Emperor Nero. That would be A.D. 54 to 68. The other side says it's during the reign of Domitian, A.D. 81 to 96. But we don't have time to go all into that. That's something else for another time. All right, so what's the occasion? Because, you know, a lot of times I point out that some things, you know, aren't written to us. Maybe for us, we benefit from it. We benefit from God's word, right? But the occasion, the audience, revelation is addressed to whom? The seven churches of Asia Minor. In the Roman providence of Asia, now part of Western Turkey, persecution had fallen on some Christians, and more was coming. Heretical teachings and declining fervor tempted Christians to compromise with pagan society. So John wrote Revelation to assure these churches that Christ knew their condition and was calling them to stand fast against all temptation. The genre of this book of Revelation shares many characteristics of Old Testament apocalyptic literature. And that's what we're that's what we're doing. That's why we're doing this series. It shares so much from the Old Testament. It's even titled The Apocalypse of John. You know, we say Revelation, but it's The Apocalypse of John. John, however, also specifically identifies the book as a prophecy. He does this several times. Revelation 1, 3, 19, 10, 22, 7, and 10, 18, and 19. So uh, several times we are told that this is a book of prophecy. Um, it has the apo apocalyptic prophecy. Say that three times fast. Um, the Old Testament apocalyptic prophecy we we see over and over again so this is a highly figurative and symbolic language that we're going to be getting into um 
you, we see the word sign. The word sign comes up. So we also have visible symbols. Most people ignore it. They don't want to get into it because of the nature of it. Uh, a lot, some other people I've learned that they they get into it, but man, they come out on the other side like, what were you reading? Um, and that's kind of what we're going to be doing. We're going to be in the middle. We're not going to ignore it. We're not going to be speculating. We're just going to read the book of Revelation every time it it uh, alludes to the Old Testament. And by doing just that, we are going to learn so much together. So it's similar to when Jesus uses, when he used the parables Remember when Jesus uses the parables, he, it's visions and language and signs and uh, signs of the Old Testament prophets and all of these things we're going to see here as we go through this book. The symbols of Revelation serve the same purpose as the words of the prophets and the parables of Jesus. So um, there's this, he who has an ear, let him hear. This is all throughout Revelation. And it's based on Isaiah 6, 9, and 10. And it's used, the Isaiah portion of Scripture is used in Matthew 13, 9 to 16. Isaiah chapter 6, starting with verse 9. And he said, go and say to the people. This is God speaking to Isaiah to talk to the people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears. There it is. And understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. So Matthew 13 verses uh, 9 to 16. I'm not going to read it all. Just jot that down and go read it for yourself. But the beginning uh, says, he who has ears, let him hear. And it's going through this portion is, is the purpose of the parables. Why is Jesus speaking in parables? And then Jesus quotes and uses the Old Testament, Isaiah, the portion of scripture that we just heard. And now we're going to see in John several times um, make this statement, he who has ears, let him hear. So a few different ways that John repurposes the Old Testament in this book of Revelation. Number one, using segments of the Old Testament as literary prototype. What does that mean, right? Because we, we don't, I don't know what that means. Let's, let's figure out what that means. So all that means is John is modeling his own material after the patterns in the Old Testament. So sometimes we'll see John follow a sequence or a structure from the Old Testament, and he writes it into his portion in Revelation. So we're going to see that. Now, let me get, we're going to give you some examples. Um, sometimes John will pull like clusters of things from the Old Testament, specific passages, and, and he'll use these clusters of ideas in specific sections. So this is something we're going to see. Uh, John in Revelation 13, chapter 13 and chapter 17, the beast from the sea. Well, he gets that from Daniel chapter 2 and chapter 7. So he is uh, taking that 
and using it as he he's repurposing uh, this from from the Old Testament. Uh, another way, number two, is thematic use of the of the Old Testament, the earth and this cataclysmic. Uh, he uses language of earthquakes and all of these things, you know, um, as we would say, like doom and gloom, earthquakes and and destruction. Um, we have these like celestial events, these very frightening things, uh, uh, hail coming down, eclipses. And this is all drawn from the Old Testament. And this is what I call day of the Lord passages. Number three is analogical use of the Old Testament. So an analogy, right? John will take a person, a place, an event from the Old Testament. He will then produce it, illustrate it into his own content by analogy. So uh, a, a very great example is the Exodus plague imagery. And we see that in Revelation 8, 6 to 12, and Revelation 16, 2 to 13. Number four universalization of the Old Testament theological content. So all that means is John's going to take uh, something that applies to Old Testament Israel and recast it in speaking it to the whole world. So Gentiles are involved and nations outside of Israel are included, which we find in the Old Testament. We're not, this is not replacement theology. Uh, again, this is, this is the apostle John, who is a Jew, uh, writing these things post Jesus, but we're going to see this um, throughout. So let's say John applies the famous description of Israel as a kingdom of priests. We all know that, but he applies that to the church, and the church would include the Gentiles. So we see that in Revelation one six and Revelation five nine to ten. Number five: informal, direct, prophetic fulfillment uses of the Old Testament. So John is um, not directly quoting the Old Testament. Remember, he alludes to the Old Testament, more this book more than any other New Testament uh, book. But uh, he does reference these as he sees Jesus as being the fulfillment of these passages. So uh, Zechariah 12.10, when they look on me, on him who they have pierced, and this is Revelation 1.7, and we're going to see this very quickly. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye shall see him, even those who pierced him. Do you see? John is taking the reader back to Zechariah 12:10. He's he's the cloud rider. That's a divine warrior. That's a that's a. We'll, we'll look at that theme. But every eye shall see him, even those who have pierced him. He's taking us back, and that's an informal, but direct. Uh, prophetic fulfillment. Uh, number six, indirect prophetic typological fulfillment uses of the Old Testament. Don't don't get lost with these uh, titles. I, I'm explaining all of them, so don't you know you don't need to write all these down. Just just what they mean. The important thing is that you know what we're looking for. You know what it means, not not the actual titles of these. So a typology we know is. Um, that, that's a pretty standard um, word for anyone studying the Bible. Uh, typological, typological, typology, you'll see these. Uh, it's a nonverbal foreshadowing of something to come. All right, we got two more, and then we're going to go fast. 
uh, number seven is inverted use of the Old Testament. Inverted means there are some allusions which are the all which are on the surface uh, are uh, distinctly contradictory to the Old Testament contextual meaning. By way of example, certain passages in Isaiah depict Gentiles bowing down before Israel in recognition of their elect status as Yahweh's chosen people in recognizing them as God's chosen people. Isaiah 45, 14, Isaiah 49, 23. And we see this, Revelation 3, 9, inverts this imagery by having Jews that persecute believers in Jesus submit to the church. Do you see how it was flipped? He's, going, he's using Isaiah 45 and 49, but he's... Uh, he inverts this imagery by having the Jews that persecute believers in Jesus submit to the church. So going back to that universalization. And lastly, number eight, stylistic use of the OT. And this we're going to get into right after I talk about it. This is um, right down the word solecism, solecism, S-O-L-E-C-I-S-M-S. It's a grammatical mistake in a language. And if you're uh, on Facebook and Instagram, you saw that I posted something. It was the big question mark picture. So John, I'll just really quickly, John knows Greek. John knows his Hebrew Bible. He, he knows the LXX, the Septuagint in Greek. Um, he knows all these things, yet we find things, and we're going to get right into it, he finds, he, he writes words and sentences that are grammatically incorrect, but he does it on purpose. All right? To me, that's fascinating because he's drawing our attention to something. He's trying to make a point alluding to somewhere in the Old Testament. So in this series, John... The author of Revelation alludes to a lot of Old Testament books. And let me just break it down for you because it's interesting. Um, 82 times he alludes to the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible. 97 times the book of Psalms. 48 times the book of Jeremiah. 73 times the Minor Prophets. 74 times the book of Daniel. 83 times the book of Ezekiel, and 122 times the book of Isaiah. So, by comparison, we have the first five books compared to the Psalms, the Psalms win, and then compared to the all of the prophecy books, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's no comparison. Uh, John uses the prophecy books, the prophetic books, um, a lot so many times. So we're going to see a lot of allusions to the Old Testament prophecy. So during this series, we're going to pay close attention to the OT allusions understood in their own original context, how the author of Revelation repurposes the Old Testament in what he writes. But I guarantee when we truly discern what John was doing in his use of the Old Testament, we will be able to discern what he was trying to communicate to his audience. Meaning we won't be walking away from these things with more questions. We're going to have a 
clear understanding of what John was trying to communicate. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's get into this Revelation chapter 1. All right, so each week I would like to encourage you to read um, the portions of Scripture. So today we're in Revelation chapter 1, of course, we're, we're starting out. But um, if you haven't already, I would encourage you to press pause and make sure you read Revelation 1. Again, just a reminder, we're not going verse by verse, but we are going to be stopping at every point John refers to the Old Testament. But to be honest, we don't get very far into Revelation 1. Um, if you're on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, you see at the book of Jude, at book of Tim Jude, that we get to verse 4. And we're already, John is already alluding to the Old Testament, specifically verse 4 and uh, 8. These two verses share a common phrase, and it's coming from the Old Testament. I, I posted this on social media and asked you if you knew where this comes from. And this is exactly where John um, uses solecism. He uses bad grammar on purpose. And it looks, it appears, if you were a Greek reader, it appears as a mistake, but it's not. So uh, 4a Grace to, you, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And in verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So that's what we're going to be focusing on today. And our first quote, as I said, I'm going to be introducing you to additional scholars other than Dr. Michael Heiser. Uh this quote's coming from David E. On. On is spelled A-U-N-E. He is he specializes in the Book of Revelation, and uh, so let me let me read this quote. But definitely uh, look him up. His resources, his material will be highly beneficial to you in this series. On writes in Revelation, John refers to God only as my his. Uh, Jesus's father. So my father or his, meaning Jesus's father. So Revelation 1, 6, 2, 27, 3, 5, 3, 21, uh, Revelation chapter 14, verse 1. But here, now here's the two verses we're focusing on, Revelation 1, 4 and 8. But here, perhaps intentionally, he omits the designation father from the greeting. In fact, he transforms this part of the traditional Christian salutation by referring to God using his very elaborate set of three clauses, which, uh, each of which functions as a divine title. So basically the way John writes this, it's like incorrect grammar, but it's intentional. And guess where it's taken from? This was the question I posed. If you knew, if you know what it is, it's taken from Exodus 3.14. Remember when Yahweh said, I am who I am? Now, in Exodus 3, there is no I was or I am coming, but there is, of course, the I am. And so John purposely uses the, what how we would say it was ha'on. So John uses that in the beginning of uh, Revelation 1.4 to take us back, take the reader back to Exodus 14. 
the ha'on. Um, so again, I, I, literally there's manuscripts where the, the scribes uh, wanted to correct John's bad grammar and they were trying to help and fix, and <laughs> but he did it on purpose. And again, we're talking about the Subtuagent, the LXX. So um, John is doing that on purpose. And it's not I was or I am coming, but it's the I am. Or if I was describing it, it would be he is. So grace to you and peace from him who is. That's the Ha'on. And then he adds, and who was and who is to come. The from him who is, that is supposed to take the reader back to Exodus 14. And what we're, what we're seeing, what John is trying to do is saying the God of the burning bush. Basically, he's saying that Yahweh, the God of Israel, Jesus the Christ, Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the, the risen Savior, they're both the great I Am. Remember, in John's gospel, he even, Jesus says before Abraham, I was. He says, ego and me. So, um... This is the divine name of Yahweh, and John keeps it in to allude to the Exodus story. So John has lifted the wording he uses from the LXX, Exodus 3.14, and has not changed the grammatical case endings, don't worry about that, when he inserts it in, into the phrase into Revelation 1.4. He did so, he, he deliberately wanted to draw the reader's attention to his source text, Exodus 3.14. Am I the only one getting excited here? The divine name revelation at the burning bush. It is clear that Exodus 3.14 is John's source. I am the Alpha and the Omega. We're in verse 8 now. So what John is obviously using the Old Testament. Let me read some Old Testament for you. Isaiah 41.4, who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning, I, the Lord, uh, the first, and with the last, I am he. Isaiah 43.10, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I've chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. Isaiah 44, 6, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. And finally, Isaiah 48, 12, listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, whom I called. I am he. I am the first and I am the last. You're listening to the Book of Jude. Connect with us on social media. Search at Book of Tim Jude on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Chaplain Jude posts frequently with additional resources for you to further your study of God and His Word. Feel free to ask questions or leave comments. Remember, prayer requests are always welcome. Search Book of Tim Jude, B-O-O-K-O-F-T-I-M-J-U-D-E. Now, back to the show. Another person I want to draw your attention to is a New Testament professor named Paul A. Rainbow. Rainbow, just like it sounds, just like the thing in the sky. <laughs> Specifically, this book I'm using, Johannian Theology, 
the gospel, the epistles, and the apocalypse. Um, he's taken the theology of John, and he's written a very uh, large book. And he also quotes and cites uh, a lot of the same people that Dr. Heiser does. But I wanted, I wanted to, in regards to the, the book of Revelation, I want to share some thoughts that he has specifically about the book of Revelation. He quotes David on everything about it, apocalyptic ethos, Semitic interference in the language, imagery from the Hebrew scriptures, knowledge of the temple cultus indicates that the author was a Palestinian Jew who had settled in Asia. And that's just support for the author and the intent. He also quotes G.K. Beale a number of times uh, as he draws our attention to the rationale that John has in his solecism, his quote-unquote incorrect grammar. It was sent to the churches of Western Asia Minor at the time when they were under social pressure to adopt the Roman values of wealth, power, and pleasure. It applies apocalyptic imagery adapted from all over the Hebrew Scriptures to reference in John's contemporary environment. The prophet calls on the churches to preserve in recognizing the one who sits on the throne in heaven and the lamb who shares it, to whom alone worship and obedience are due, even if such fidelity should result in martyrdom during this present age. Full of intricate literary patterns, a simple general structure is discernible. Beale continues to say that John rarely quotes from Scripture verbatim. He prefers to paraphrase, allude, or conflate passages. Another theologian, Andreas J. Katzenberger, A-N-D-R-E-A-S, middle initial J, last name K-O-S-T-E-N-B-E-R-G-E-R. This is what he says. It's very important that you get this. The importance of the Old Testament as the primary source for Johannian theology cannot be overstated. And the author, uh, Paul Rainbow, goes on to say that um, speaking of the, the verse, I am who I am, uh, this phrase is identical from Revelation 1, 4, and 8. This phrase is identical that used in the Septuagint at Exodus 3.14 to translate God's special name, I am that I am. In the Old Testament story, he says, ask God to declare his name. In the ancient Near East, a name was thought to signify the inner nature of its subject. God's reply is that he is who he is, a wonder defined only by reference to himself and intelligible only to himself. Wow. God alone can grasp who God is. Implied are the givenness of God, God's existence, his freedom to do as he wills. And in the context of the Exodus, his immutable faithfulness to his covenant promises. Therefore, he is the one who lives forever and ever, as we see in Revelation 4 and 7 and 10 and 15. Wow, that's powerful. God is who he is. This is a wonder defined only by reference to himself, only intelligible to himself. Only God alone can grasp who God is. That's powerful. All right, sports fans, that's going to do it for us this episode, episode two of season three. 
listen, we're still in Revelation chapter 1. Uh, we just took care of verse 4 and 8. <laughs> I know. Settle in. Strap in. It's going to be it's going to be a long one. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is going to be crazy. This is this is going to be crazy. But thank you for sticking with me. Uh, take notes. Don't listen. Oh, I'll wait till the series is over. I'll go back and take take the notes now. Take the notes now. Believe me. I will be sharing the Little Bricks Charity link on the social media site, so look look for that. And again, I'll be reminding you of these theologians that we're using, but most of the resources, as I said before, is coming from Dr. Michael Heiser. All right, next time we come together, uh, we're still in Revelation 1, and let me know if you have any questions until the next one, you know, in between. You're taking notes. You're trying to figure out things. If you have a question, connect with me on the social media sites, send me a message, DM, whatever it is, and uh, I'll try to answer your questions if you have them. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, kids of all ages, as you go out, make disciples.